You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. Uh, and if you are here visiting or with us in person, I want to welcome you, and I want to ask you to help me welcome the people that are joining us online. We live stream this gathering, so can we welcome them as well? And we provide that service into different facilities around our state uh, and for different people while they're traveling or just for those who felt their pajamas were very comfortable this morning. So welcome to you if you're joining us online. If you don't know me, my name's Rob. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And I get the privilege this morning of bringing the message that's going to kick off a new series called The Miracle of Mercy. And before we dive into that, I would like to say that this is a series we're doing for the next six weeks. And it's in conjunction with our life groups. Okay, so on Sundays, we're going to be teaching on the miracle of mercy, but then also all of our life groups this session are doing a curriculum also based on the miracle of mercy. So if you miss Sunday, don't worry, you can still go to life group, but I want to encourage you to to get the whole series, to really get a bit of everything to join a life group. And so you can grab one of these cards out in the foyer on your way out. If you're not already in a life group, it's not too late to sign up. And it really is, this is one of our favorite things to do, is when we combine all of our life groups doing the same series in conjunction with what we're teaching on Sunday. And so grab those, sign up for a life group. Well, we are starting the Miracle of Mercy today with part one, and it's about how much you matter to God. And it really is uh, ultimately about the greatest miracle of mercy, which is that Jesus Christ came that we might be saved. And we're looking at it in terms of lost and found today. We were lost before we knew Christ, and we were found because of Christ when he found us. In fact, it says this in Titus, verses, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Jesus saved us. Not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. And I love that we did communion today. You know, I I would like to sit here and say we were smart enough to have planned everything out, but I think it just happened that we're doing this message on a communion Sunday. Because communion is all about remembering how God saved us, what Jesus did for us. And every time I get the opportunity to take communion, I get taken back in my mind and in my heart to a room a bedroom that I was in when God broke into my life in a great and powerful way. You see, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. I went to church, and somewhere, uh, kind of in my teenage years, I decided that, eh, I got better options for myself. And so for about eight years, I spent just kind of living for myself, and it's kind of a... uh, a pretty, unfortunately, normal testimony for pastor's kids. Uh, but I wandered off and I looked into things like substances for the answers. And I looked into things like relationships for the answers. And I just kind of decided, I'm going to live my own life. I knew all about God, but I began to wander. And as I began to wander and get further and further away from God, I found my life becoming less and less like what I wanted it to be. And I began to realize more and more how lost I was. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't smart enough at that point in time to make a good decision and cry out to God. It took the worst week of my life for me to finally be broken to the point where I said, God, I'm ready to come back to you. 
And in that week, see, I was with a, a, a girl at the time. We'd been living together for a few years, and I was getting ready to marry this woman. I was talking to my dad. Hey, I'm thinking about getting a ring. Uh, what do you think? I'm going to marry this. I didn't know that at the same time she was talking to someone else, but not about our relationship. She was talking about their relationship. And so one day I come home, and I'm, you know, just excited to be home, and she says to me, hey, we need to talk. And you know there's a tone Right? Parents have a we-need-to-talk tone. Spouses have a we-need-to-talk tone. And sometimes you know from the we-need-to-talk, it's not a conversation you want to be a part of. And I knew it wasn't a conversation. And that day she said, hey, it's over. And so here's a big part of my life that I'm building that I know isn't a healthy relationship. We were not in a healthy place. There was nothing really good about that relationship. But it's what I thought was as good as it's going to get. And then a few days later, I also had a plan to go to university, and I knew what I was going to do with my life, you know, because like all 20-year-olds, we think we know what we're going to do with our life, right? And I knew I'm going to go, and I'm going to get this degree, and I'm going to work in this career, and here's the university that I've applied to, and I found out that that wasn't going to work, that the doors financially and everything were closed, and so within three days, everything I had thought I was building my little kingdom on was gone, gone. And in the midst of this season, I'm sitting there, and I'd moved out of where I was because she didn't want me there anymore, and I didn't have any other options. And the job I had got to the place where it's like, hey, we can keep you hired for about another month. And I was like, great, another thing. And I'm sitting there wallowing in my self-pity. And I remember this room so clearly. And this is what I remember when we do communion. God showed up in that moment, and he spoke to my heart. And he said, you... Can, you have an option, a choice here. You can go back and you can continue pursuing everything the way you've been pursuing it. And you will find another family, another wife, and you'll find a career and you'll find all those things. But life will never be better than it is right now. He said, or you can come and follow me. And everything you truly desire in your heart, everything you know you really want, you will find. And it wasn't promising me the same things I had been pursuing. He was promising me his life. And this is the moment where I rolled over. Okay, now you're you're all thinking, wait, that's the moment we're supposed to cheer because you gave your life to Jesus. It wasn't. It was the moment I rolled over and I, I wrestled to try and ignore that for another three weeks. Because I knew that God had found me, but I didn't know if I was quite ready to step into that. And so about three weeks later, I was moving back to my parents' home because the situation that I was in just got uglier. My life got threatened, and I needed to get out of there, and so I got out of there. I was going back towards my home, and I went and I visited a friend of mine who was at Bible college, and I spent a few days hanging out with this friend. And somewhere, I stopped talking to my buddy Joe, and I realized I was talking to God. And it was in those days that I realized I've been found by God again. And I realized that is the ultimate miracle of mercy I had done nothing to deserve God showing up at the hardest time of my life I had done nothing to deserve him offering me a path to everything I had ever wanted I had done nothing to deserve mercy and he showed up in fact Jesus told his disciples and his followers in Luke 19 Jesus said this is why I came I have come to seek and save those who are lost In other words, people like me, people like every single one of us at some point in our life, Jesus is looking and saying, you're lost, but I have come that I might find you. And that is the ultimate miracle of mercy. 
And the Bible talks about in the world there's two types of people. Okay? There's the lost and there's the saved. And this isn't an in-group and an out-group. How do I know that? Because all of us at some point, if we're saved today, we were lost. And I hope that when you take communion, you remember a place like I remember that room. You remember the moment that God stepped in when you didn't deserve it and he found you. But being found is not more special. And I think as Christians sometimes, we can get to this place where we think, oh, you know what, we're found. We must have done something. We didn't. Jesus came. And the reason that they're both equal is because both lost and found indicate value. Being lost, if you're here today and maybe you are and you're going, I don't know if I'm fully saved. Maybe we like to joke. Maybe you lost a bet and you have to come to church. I don't know why you're here. But if you're here today and you go, I don't know if I'm in the saved group, are they saying I'm less? No. In fact, the idea that God identifies us as lost indicates we have value to him. Let me prove it. This is a true north pen, okay? If you look at the seat backs in front of you, there's a bunch of these out here, right? I don't know how many of these I have lost. I really don't. They're all over my house. They're all over my car. They're all over. I have lost tons of them. And you know what I don't do when I lose one? I don't go looking for it. Why? Because it's not valuable, right? I throw it in the baptism. It's gone. No big deal. I'll get another one. I know where Pastor Sonia keeps them. I can go find one. It's not that valuable. But now let me ask you, what would happen if I took off my wedding ring and I tossed it into the baptismal like that, right? Yeah, you're all, I'm not gonna, don't worry. It doesn't actually come off anymore, but that's a different story. But why is there a difference? Because this is valuable. If I lost this, I would ask all of you to help me find it. I would go searching for it, and I would not return home until I had found it. (laughs) Right? Because I'm a wise, wise husband. But so the very fact that God said, that which is lost is worthy of me seeking it, tells us that even when we're lost, we have value. And God loves us. It's why he went searching for us. If we were just true north pens, he would not have sent Jesus. But we are his created people, his children, each and every one of us, everyone on this earth. And because of that, he said, you're valuable. I'm going to send my son to seek you and to look for you. And today we're going to look at three stories that Jesus tells. And these stories are all found in Luke 15. And we're not going to read them, but I'll kind of outline them really quickly for you. And we're going to look at this because it helps us understand Jesus' passion for the lost. And then we're going to look at what does it mean that we've been found? What does it mean that he saves us? Because if you're in here today and you're going, hey, I did communion because I have a relationship with Jesus and I have been saved and this is just a good message for me to clap and know that it's for someone else, it's not. Because my question to those of us that are found is do we live like we're found? Or does sometimes lostness creep back in to how we think? Maybe lostness creeps back in to how we treat our relationships or our family members. Maybe lostness creeps back into how we see God when something hard happens in our life. And so as believers, those of us that are in the found group, we're not special because of that. But we want to make sure, are we living as though we're found? And so let's look at these three stories, these three parables that Jesus tells. And the first one is the lost sheep. 
And the lost sheep is simply this. Jesus says there was a man who had 100 sheep and one of them wandered away. It says he took the other 99, he put them inside the, the pen or whatever, he knew they were safe, and he went to look for the one. He went to look for the one. And now this, to me, this, this is my story. I just wandered away. I just got distracted. I had a great life. There was, my parents loved me, my family was healthy. In fact, some people might say I might have been a little bit spoiled. I was treated well. I just wandered. I knew where I was supposed to be. I knew where I was, who I was supposed to be with, but I just wandered. And in wandering, I lost what a shepherd provides, and that is two things, protection and direction. And when we wander from God, we lose the protection a shepherd gives us, and we lose the direction a shepherd gives us. If you've ever seen a flock of sheep wandering on their own, you might think to yourself, where are they going? Guess what? They are thinking the same thing. They're just following themselves. Where are we going? They're just wandering around. That was me. And Jesus says, but Jesus' heart is to go after that one. And sometimes I think, man, I'm just one person. You know what? It's just, there's one, my one neighbor doesn't know Jesus, but the rest all do. Jesus says, yeah, I'm going after that one person that you know. And the second parable is a parable of a lost coin. And this woman has 10 coins. Now, don't think of these as nickels and dimes. You know, back in the day, these are coins that were probably worth, one coin was worth one month's salary. So let's say $1,000, okay? Because I like round numbers and I'm not good at math. So we'll say she has 10 coins, each worth $1,000, and she loses one. Now, here's the incredible thing about this. That coin is still worth $1,000, right? It's still, it doesn't lose any value because now it's under the dresser or whatever it might be. But what's lost by that coin's circumstances now is the potential to use that value. The value is still there, but the potential for that value to be used by that woman is lost. And I don't think, Jesus doesn't go into these details, but I don't think that that coin stood up and decided to move itself off the table. I think it was lost by the circumstances around it. And sometimes we might say to God, God, you don't understand Pastor Rob saying he had a healthy home and he wandered. I didn't. My home was terrible. Circumstances. No one ever told me about God. No one ever told me I should follow you. Jesus, the things they did to me, that's why I was lost. And you might feel like that lost coin that goes, my circumstances have my thinking lost. My circumstances have my relationships lost. And this is where Jesus says, but I will seek you and I will find you, even if it's with your circumstances. And the third parable that Jesus tells, and this is the one that's a little bit longer, it goes into a little bit more detail, it's the parable of the lost son. Oftentimes, you'll hear uh, churches or Christians talk, call it the prodigal son. But it's the son who makes the choice to leave his family, to leave his father. And so the story is this, there is a wealthy master, and he has two sons. And the one son says to the father, hey... Loved what you've given me so far. I've got it from here. Can you give me my half of the inheritance and I'm going to go off on my own? And so the father graciously uh, says to him, here you go. Here's your half of the inheritance. And it says the son goes off and he starts to waste it. And he starts to spend it frivolously and eventually starts running out of money. And eventually, pardon me, a famine hits the land and he's got no money, no opportunities, no possibility. To the point where he takes a job that in his day, his job is feeding pigs. And to his people, that would have basically been the worst job. 
that you could have ever done. So think about whatever the worst job is you can think of, that's the job he had. And if you have that job, don't tell your boss that you think it's the worst job. But he has this job, and so he thinks to himself in this place where he is as far away from everything he should have had. He's as far away from his relationships. He has lost home. He's lost family. He's lost happiness. And in this place, he thinks to himself, you know what? I'm going to go back to my dad. But I'm not going to go back and ask him to restore me as a son. I'm going to go back and say to him, Dad, I just need to eat. Will you give me a job? Dad, I just need some clothes. Will you give me a job? And so he prepares this whole speech. And he goes back to his house. And he never gets the chance to give his speech. Because the father sees him coming and it says he runs to him. Dad, I just need a, what? Shut up. And just embraces him. Dad, all I need is, hold on, son. Hey, guys, can you bring out the gifts? Can you throw a feast? And the dad doesn't even listen to his request to simply have a job or be provided for. The dad says, you're my son. And at the end of the story, there's this powerful statement that the father says. He says, my son, who was once dead, is now alive. He was once lost, but now he's found. And when we talk about the foundness that we have in God, we're talking about the life that we have in God. We're talking about the salvation that gives us life again. And some of us, sometimes, I think we come back to God when maybe we've kind of acted a little bit lost and we come back and we just say, well, God, just give me, just, you know, let me, let me sit in the back row in heaven. And God says, no, I want to restore you fully. And I want to bring you back fully. And so what does this mean to us? How do we live out this foundness? What is it, how does God's mercy save us? That's what we're going to look at. And if you have a worship guide today, by the way, you can follow along, fill in the blanks. But we're going to look at three points about how God's mercy saves us and what it means that when we're living found, we live in these places. And the first one is this, salvation rescues me from myself. You see, lostness is not a situation you can get yourself out of. Lostness is not a homeward bound movie. Do you remember that old movie? Some of you are old enough to remember where the animals can talk or we can read their thoughts. One of the two I can't really remember, but they, they're taken away far away from their home and like I think it's two dogs and a cat or I don't remember exactly, but these animals, they find their way back home. Lostness when it comes to God is not something you can just grab a couple of people and be like, hey, help me get back to heaven. We need to be rescued. There's no app on your phone that you can be like, hey Siri, what's the route to heaven? And just start to follow it. If you're trying to follow a route that is anything other than Jesus saving you, here's what your life is going to sound like. Rerouting. 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 Every day you're going to feel like I'm being rerouted by my bad choices and my good choices, by my circumstances and other people's. Why? Because there is no map that gets us to heaven. We need to be rescued. We need to be found and if we have been found, we need to stop trying to go, well, okay, I was found, but I got it from here. We need to live found. It says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 15, Jesus is the only one who can bring us to God. He became a human and gave himself to rescue all of us. And I remember a time, and as I was going through message prep this week, I remembered a lot of times I've been lost. Okay? And I like to pride myself on being good with directions. But I have been really lost sometimes. 
I've been lost in the woods. I've been lost in cities. I've been lost in places where I had no, no opportunity to find myself. And one of those times, and I've shared parts of this story before, so forgive me if you've heard it, but one time I was put on a bus in a city in China, and I was told that this bus was going to stop in another city and there was going to be someone to meet me there. And I thought, great, not a problem. Trusting the system. Well, what I didn't know was that the guy who put me on the bus, instead of phoning the guy to tell me I was on my way, decided to go home, fall asleep, and have a nap. So I get there, and I get off the bus, and I'm expecting someone, maybe with a little piece of paper, you know, or maybe someone who speaks English. I'm just coming off going, they're going to find me, because I have no idea. Well, there was nobody there. There was nobody there. And this is not a part of China, like a big city where it's like, hey, everyone speaks English, and, you know, it's going to be not a problem. I'll figure this out. This was a part where even though there was hundreds of people around me, none of them spoke English. How do I know? Because I asked at least two dozen of them for help. Even the people at the, at the bus station, they were super polite. I think they were. I don't actually know what they were saying, but they had no way to help me. So after about 15 minutes of panic, and by the way, you know, I didn't have a cell phone that worked or anything like that. And so after about 15 minutes of kind of panicking, I thought, well, there is nothing I can do. Absolutely nothing. I don't speak the language. I've never been here before. I don't know any of these people. I don't know how to communicate with them. I am here until someone comes to get me. And I remember I said to God, I said, God, I will give you one hour and then I'm going to panic. I said, I'm going to give you one hour of just, I'll just, I'm trusting you. I got about an hour's worth of trust in me right now. And guess what God did? In the 55th minute, he sent somebody I recognized to rescue me. And can I tell you, it was one of the greatest feelings in my life. I didn't even know how to get back on a bus to go back to where I had come from. But when I saw this person walking, I felt rescued. And that's what lostness with God is like. We don't speak the language. We don't understand. We don't have a way to call God and ask for this. We wait for Jesus to come and find us and to come and rescue us. And so he rescues us. And then it says this in Psalm 50, verse 15. Trust me in your times of trouble. I will rescue you and you will give me glory. And so if you've been rescued, this is why we do communion to give God glory, to remember this is what God does. I still tell the story of being rescued by my friend in China. How much more should I be telling the story of how God rescued me and giving him the glory? And the second thing, that God's mercy, how it saves us, is that it recovers our potential. Salvation recovers my potential. Again, this is the story of the coin. The coin never lost its value. Its value was there. It was worth $1,000 sitting under the dresser or wherever it was. But it lost its potential to be used by the woman who it belonged to because it was lost. And here's what I love about each and every person on earth created by God is that you have potential. You have value. You have gifts and skills and a calling that God has put in you. And he says, I want to use you for this thing. And when we're lost, we're outside of that potential. We're outside of that ability. We need to be found so we can recover that potential. In the same way, the reason I was in China between those two cities is because they had invited me to come and teach on some different schools. And so when I was standing there on the steps at the bus station, I still had all my notes with me. I still had all my funny jokes and stories. I was still ready to teach. 
but I had no potential because I was disconnected from the group I was supposed to be teaching. Do you see how that works? So those areas of our life, those areas of our thinking, those relationships where we're still living lost, we are removing the potential that is valuable to God. The value is still there. The gift is still there. The skill is still there. But the potential for God to use it isn't. So when we let God find us, he recovers that potential and can use us. And then our role is to give him the glory for what he, for what he does and how he uses us. And Joel 2 says this. I will give you back what you lost in the years when the locust ate your crops. And I remember when I was sitting in that room after eight years... When God said to me, this is as good as it will ever get, I knew in that moment that it wasn't supposed to be that bad. I knew in that moment that God wanted more for me. He wanted more for my life. He wanted to use me in different ways than I was trying to use myself. He wanted to give me more than I was ever going to be able to get on my own. And I remember, and I have a list of things that in that eight years, the locust, the enemy, my choices, my separation from God stole from me. I look back and I still know that there are relationships where I hurt people and I stole from them because I wasn't letting God use my potential. And can I tell you, many of those things, God has restored them to ways I never thought they could have been that good. I have been married to an incredible woman for almost 20 years. And let me tell you, there is not a day in this marriage that God has been, is a part of that is anywhere near as bad as every day was in that other relationship. And that relationship took things from me. This relationship gives things to me because God recovers our potential. And the third area, the third thing of how does God's mercy save me is salvation reconnects me to God. It says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Anyone who connects to Christ becomes a new person. The past is forgotten and everything becomes new. God has done it all. He sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. This place of foundness is where we're now meant to live. This place of life recovered life that God has for us, the place of fullness, the place of peace in God. And it doesn't mean that our enemy is stopped. There are still challenges that we face, but in the midst of them, we know we're found. In the midst of health challenges that we never expected, we know we're found. In the midst of looking at the bank account and going, there doesn't seem like there's enough zeros there, or maybe there's too many zeros there, we know we are found. In the midst of relationships, going through hard times, we know we are found. And we live from that place of being found. And I remember a couple weeks after uh, this young lady and I had broken up, she called. And she said, hey, I made a mistake. And she was in tears and she was very emotional and she was asking me to come back. She was saying, let's try this again. Let's do this again. And in that moment, my heart was so filled with the peace and life of God, I knew I am never going back to that life. Because now I'm found. Once I'm found, how can I go back to living lost? And I knew, God, I'm never going back to that life. I'm never going back to that place where I don't know that I'm found. 
I'm never going back to that place where I don't know that I'm yours because I've been found. And this is how, if you're here and you say, I know I'm in the found group, this is how we're supposed to live. Every day, of every week, of every month, of every year God gives us, we're supposed to live like we're found. This is the greatest miracle of mercy. That we get the chance to live found by Christ. And so, to end up here, to wrap it up, three things. How do we connect with this mercy of God? How do we connect with this foundness, if you will? Well, number one, and this, a lot of this comes out of the story of the Son. The first thing we must do to, live with, uh, to connect with God's mercy is get fed up with your life. The lost son had to come to the place where he realized this isn't what I'm supposed to be living like. I had to get to the place of realizing I, this is as good as it gets. No, it's supposed to get better than this. In other words, we have to be fed up with what we have if it's not all that God has for us. In fact, it says it this way in verse, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. This is God speaking to the people. He says, you'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. If we want what God has for us more than what the rest of the options are, more than we can ever provide for ourselves, more than the world can ever give us, if we want what God has for us more than those things, then we will be, I'm fed up with my life, I want to connect with God's mercy. The second way we connect with God's mercy is own up to my sin. Own up to my sin. The prodigal son, part of his speech that he was preparing was to say to his father, Father, I sinned. I sinned against you and I sinned against God. And basically what he was saying was he's saying, Dad, now I look back and I realize I did it wrong. I did it wrong. And whether it's because you were wandered like I did or like the sheep did, you've just been distracted by shiny things, whatever it might be, at some point, my wandering was my choice. I did it wrong. I had to own up to that. And your response and your circumstances, however hard they might have been to walk away from God, that was your choice. And you need to own up to that. And we need to say, God, I've sinned. I've sinned against you. And I know for me, there's a whole long list of other people I had sinned against. And many of those I tried to make it right. But primarily it's God I sinned against you. And I want to own up to it. I want to admit it. And here's the great thing about it. God is not going to go, okay, well, for that sin you got 10 years. And for that sin you got this 10 years. And for that sin, ooh, that one's good, 25 years for that one. God says, hey, when you own up to your sin, what you get is what Jesus Christ paid for when he died on the cross. And that's grace. That is the ultimate miracle of mercy. We get the mercy of God. And the third thing to connect with God's, pardon me, to connect with God's mercy is I offer myself up. The son came back to the father and he said, God, he said Father, I want to come home. Let me ask you this. Do you think that in two months he said, all right, God, I'm ready for more money so I can go off and do it again? No. I think he said, Dad, what do you need me to do? I think he served better than he had ever served before. I think he was more thankful than he had ever been before. He offered himself up. And he said, if all it is is a paid position on your staff, I'll take it. But if what you give me is so much more, then I will live in that as well. But I offer myself up to you to connect with this mercy that you've given me. 
In fact, it says in Luke 15, the story, verse 12, it starts by saying this, the son drifted away saying, give me my share. In other words, he started by saying, God, you or dad, you give me what I want. And it says he returned to the father saying, make me a servant. In other words, dad, I'm just coming home at your mercy. What do you have for me? What do you want to do? I offer myself up for you. And the father, while he was still a long ways out, ran out to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. This is the ultimate miracle of mercy. And we're going to look and define the miracle of mercy more so. But today we start with that ultimate, is that this, when we offer ourselves up to a place we think is acceptable, to a place we think we should get, get to, God gives us more. God gives us full restoration of potential. God gives us full rescue and salvation from everything that is holding us away from him. This is the miracle of mercy. And this whole series is looking at how do we live this out? How do we as believers live out that we have been found? And if you're here today and you go, I don't know if I'm in that found group. Maybe I'm still in the lost group. Well, again, I want to reiterate, this isn't an in-group and an out-group. This is just where you're at right now. And all of us that are found today, we were lost at one point. But if you're here today and you're going, I'm still lost, then the miracle of mercy is available for you today. And this is the best news you'll ever hear. I think about, man, some of you, today is the day that you're going to think about when you take communion next month. Today is the day when you realize God has found me. God has been looking for me. God has been seeking me. And today he's found me. And at True North Church, we say it's a very easy way to step into that. It's a very easy way to be found by God. We call it the ABCs of salvation. A is admit. Admit that like the son, you've left home. Like the son, you've made your own choices. We call it sin. You've done things wrong. You haven't been connected to God. And B is believe. Believe in Jesus. When Jesus came to, and he said, I come to seek and save the lost, we believe that when he came as a man, died on the cross, and was raised again back into heaven, that was what found us. And C is confess him as Lord, which is simply a way of saying, give your life to him. Offer your life to him. Come home again today and offer your life to him. If that's you and you're here in person or you're watching online, I want to I lead you in a prayer that simply says yes to Jesus finding you today. So I'm going to ask everyone in here, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if that's you and you're at that place where you're saying, I know Jesus is looking for me and I want to be found today, would you pray this simple prayer with me? Jesus, I thank you that you've been looking for me. I ask now that you forgive me for my sin and for trying to get away from you. But Jesus, I believe today you're looking for me and I believe in your death and resurrection has, can bring me home, can find me. And so I confess you as my Lord. I offer my life up to you and ask that you find me today and put me in relationship with God again. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.